0: episode number 29 of A Run and Thought Podcast. I am your host, Clint, and it's good to be back in 2022. I hope you enjoyed that energetic intro music. I borrowed my son's drums and recorded rhythm guitar with uh, Gretsch Hollowbody and did lead and bass with a downtune and octave downshifted Telecaster, um, and the magic of GarageBand and all the, the effects that are built in to that. Uh, it's all over the place, but it's kind of catchy and distinct, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, so let's jump right in. So Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, living on Big Island is cool in a lot of ways. One thing that stinks is not being able to see loved ones on the regular happy new year shout out and big thanks to my family and friends appreciate all the check-ins and for you all being a part of our life in 2021 my hope is 2022 we'll see the end of pandemic hysteria and the continuance of remote work because who wants to go to an office you know what i mean Uh, My goal for 2022 is to lose 20 pounds and run 2000 miles, which is 38 mile weeks or roughly 7.7 miles five days a week. So that's eight times five times 52 weeks in a year, 2080 miles, I guess, which is what I was doing uh, essentially to train for the Georgia uh, for the Georgia Jewel. 100 miler um, back in 2019. All right, onward. Um, Oh, congratulations to everyone who finished uh, Go Big on the island of Hawaii. Um, 260 mile, uh, 100 mile, 100 kilometer and 50 kilometer. And then, of course, uh, the relays. And actually, it's quite an accomplishment. I've got ultra sign up pulled up. Um, As you can imagine, there aren't a lot of people that finish those long distances, so I'm just going to take a quick couple minutes just to shout out and congratulate um, for the 260-miler John Wright from Portland, Oregon, um, with a time of 74 hours and 52 minutes. Um, Maybe I shouldn't read all of these times. I'll just read their name and and where they're from. Let's see this one's a little a little tough. Sarvanan Milsami. Um there's no city listed, um, but great job. Uh Russ Reinbolt, La Hala, California, Jeremy Killeen, uh Belfair, Washington, and it looks like yeah those were all male finishers for the 260 miler Um, for the 100 miler there was one finisher according to ultra sign up congratulations stan fortuna from grand haven michigan 74 years old um, finished a 100 mile race so Uh, What am I doing with with myself? What are you doing with yourself, people listening? Um, 74 years old and finished in 31 hours and 35 minutes. 100 miles. Um, For the 100-kilometer, congratulations, Patrick Howell uh, from Wrangell, Alaska. And then for 50K, congratulations to John Lee uh, from Johns Creek, Georgia and lynn maddox and uh, there's no uh, city listed for for lynn all right but yeah so congratulations to everybody and then all the the relay participants i think last time i checked the relay participants aren't listed on ultra sign up so uh, i can't call you all out by name but yeah congratulations i hope it was a good uh, run all right. So Hawaii. Oh, yeah. So now is the time on uh, a run and thought podcast where I run down uh, upcoming ultras on the island of Hawaii. I try to limit it just to Hawaii Island because that's where I am. Um, and if I did Honolulu, I would probably never finish because there's so much stuff going on uh there and you know on other islands as well so yeah let me um actually do my job i've been it doesn't seem like it i'm sure but i actually tried to prepare more for this podcast than i have uh in the past i've been um sort of going through and, and writing down some uh, kind of a script for this episode. But man, I am still a little disorganized. So I'm actually on ultra sign up right now. And let me go ahead and do a search. All right, so for Ultra sign-up, not much is coming up for 2022 thus far. We've got um, New Year's Cheers, which is a 6-hour, a 5K, and then a 3-hour. And that's going to be on Saturday, January 29th of 2022. Um, That's going to be in Volcano Hawaii. Under the Moon, uh, 200K, 100K, 100K relay, 50K, 50K relay, and I believe uh, 25K, that's gonna be on Saturday, June 11th, 2022, and that's in Hilo. Uh, Go big for 2022 is going to be 260 miler, 260 miler relay, 100 miler relay, uh, 100 miler, and then I believe 50K and 50K relay. Um, That says Hilo Hawaii, I'm not sure where all of those different events start, but there's plenty of time to figure it out before Saturday, December 31st, 2022, which is the date for all of those. All right, and that's all I got on Ultra Sign Up. I'm gonna check another site because they usually list um, some events too. And this is uh, from runningintheusa.com. And I'm searching for Hawaii County Yeah, so um March 12th, 2022. Now, all of these are not going to be uh ultra events. So uh just letting you know. So March 12th uh, 2022 Kona Brewers Festival Run for Hops, that's going to be in Kailua Kona. Um 10K 5K run. March 20th 2022 Big Island International Marathon. That's, uh, of course, 26.2 miles. And then there's a half marathon, 13.1 miles, uh, 10K, 5K, and a two-mile run. Um, There is a virtual option. I don't know if it's for all of those events or just uh, some of them, but uh, that will be, of course, in Hilo, Hawaii. Uh, April 3rd, 2022, the Lava Man Triathlon. Um, That's Waikoloa, Hawaii. Um, Again, you can find all this information on runningintheusa.com, and uh, you'll just look for Hawaii County. Um, The Ironman, yeah, it says June 4th, 2022 uh, in Waimea. Uh, Under the Moon, I think I already read that from (laughs) Ultra Sign Up, so let me... Let me just read it again because maybe i didn't so uh june eleventh, twenty 2022 under the moon that's a 200k 100k 50k run in hilo and then uh, finish in waimea um june eleventh, twenty 2022 that is also under the moon um i don't know why it's on there twice maybe some events start the on no that's odd that it's on there twice yeah i'm not sure and then of course uh the kona marathon um 26.2 half mile event 10k and a 5k run that's gonna be uh in kailua kona um and if i didn't say the date it's june 26 2022. all right so that's you know into june and then the next ones down are like in october and november so I'm not gonna bother with those yet. All right, so I'll close that down. And yeah, so next up um, is a Dear John letter. So my Strava buddy John was on Big Island recently. We had horrible weather that week, um, and scheduling conflicts, kept us from running together it was a bummer Um, but congratulations john i read your name just a minute ago for finishing the go big 50k from volcano to somewhere around punalu on december 31st Uh, my friend alex um, who's the race director for that said that she got to meet you and you were the nicest dude so respect Um, congratulations again Uh, Next up, thanks Oahu. Shout out to Keaton in Oahu or on Oahu. Uh, Got to stay aboard his sailboat and do some tough hikes on Cocoa Crater Lookout um, and Willy Willy Nui Ridge Trail. Uh, Apologies to the couple of people that maybe saw me hanging brain uh i did not realize my rest stop was overlooking the trail so um yeah one thing that was pretty cool or there were a lot of cool things but uh one thing that was kind of crazy we were eye level with a helicopter um while we were coming back down willy willy Nui ridge trail um, a search and rescue helicopter was flying around and uh, it was a little, it was a little uncomfortable being, you know, right there, um, sort of eye level with the rotor blades of a helicopter. They weren't really close to us, um, but still too close for comfort. Whoa, on that one, uh, a lot of food land trips on that trip. And um, I got seasick on Keaton sailboat sorry Keaton but uh other than that it was a great trip I had fun um Keaton was a gracious host and I gotta say like uh, staying on um Keaton's boat in the harbor um I think the mornings are so peaceful like the water is so so calm and Honolulu is so quiet and then you know once everybody wakes up it's noisy again but oh well it was nice uh next up thanks maui i was lucky enough to hop over to maui at the beginning of december holy hell it ended up terrible but my stay was uh, great thanks to noel and her family for letting me stay in their cabin and sort of shuttling me to a few primo trails despite the crazy weather um, we got to go to waiho spring forest reserve um, which was a loop trail. I think it was, it was maybe a little bit over a mile um, loop, I think, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, this is the same trail. I don't Most people probably don't remember this, but uh, Amanda Eller, a couple, a couple years back, I think 2019, um, she got lost. She stumbled off the trail. I don't want to go into too many details there. It's still kind of a sore subject, but anyway, they, I think they looked for her for like a month. Um, and they were, you know, they thought the boyfriend had murdered her and, uh, fortunately she, you know, search and rescue finally did find her. Um, somebody went in deep into the, the wilderness and, um, was able to get her out of there. But, uh, yeah, same trail. I, you know, there's anybody can guess what, what, um, what went down, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think that she definitely went off of the loop trail. Cause it's only like a, like I say, like a mile circle. So kind of hard to get lost there. Um, yeah. And she, she had definitely stumbled out into, you know, off trail, like far, far away. Um, I do know that the reasons why are all speculative. Um, and so I don't want to, it's like, I say, it's a touchy subject. I don't want to go into it, but yeah. So, uh, we also got to go to Waihee Ridge trail in West Maui, um, near the natural area reserve area. Does that make sense? I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, so, so we went there. Um, that one was pretty cool that was on a day when the storms were really kind of starting to move in Uh, a little bit on that a little bit more on that in just a second Um, we tried to do haleakala Uh, thanks again noel for uh, taking me up even though when we went through the gate the uh, ranger let us know that the road was closed seven miles from the summit Um, We still went up anyway, just because I wanted to, and Noel is so nice. Um, But, of course, the road was close, so we did turn around and come back down um, without going to the top. Bummer, but I think winds got up to, like, almost 100 miles an hour, or maybe they got up to 100 miles an hour um, that night. Um, And... A bad uh, storm system dropped a ton of snow on Mauna Kea, Mauna uh, Kea, back on Big Island that um, that same evening. I guess like through through the week, it was horrible weather for like a whole week almost. Um, if you want to check the Mauna Kea ski report, you can do that. Um, I might check it right now just to just to see it. If I can copy this link for some reason, nothing wants to work when I really, really need it to. But yeah, so you can uh, go to www.snow-forecast.com and um, you can search for Mauna Kea or you can just do a browser search for Mauna Kea snow report. I'm going to check it right now and I'll let you know uh, as of the moment of this podcast and me talking right now what the snow report says um snow report for mount Kea. there's definitely snow up there because i can see the the cam it looks like um the last significant snowfall was 2.8 inches and that was on wednesday january the 5th so haha <laughs> This is funny because there's no lifts on Mauna Kea, of course. It says, uh, Mauna Kea snow report is lifts open, unreported. Our model predicted 11 centimeters, 4.3 inches of snow fell over the last six days between Sunday 2nd of January at 12 a.m. and Saturday 8th of January at 12 a.m. at the mid-mountain level. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, Mauna Kea, I believe, is like just under 14,000 feet, I believe. I think it's like 13,800 or something, but yeah. Um, 13,797 feet to be exact, I believe. All right, cool. Um, So yeah, so back on Maui, though... Um, which is just sort of right across the, the uh, channel from Big Island. There was wind and rain everywhere, uh, trees down, power outages, including the airport. So as I was um, being dropped off at the airport, the power was out there, and... Um, the generators weren't working and I'm not sure if the generators ever worked or if the power company was able to to get power restored. But the irony was I was sitting in the security line for probably about two hours, I would say. And we're staring at the train station, which is right across from the um, security area at the airport. And it had power the whole time. And I think the parking lot also had power on its lamppost. I think I may be misremembering, but yeah. So everywhere, everywhere had power except for security The and, um, yeah, shout out to the nurse from Oahu who helped pass the time in the security line with, uh, some funny conversation. Um, we talked about um, sort of, sort of glory days. She used to do triathlons. She was a triathlete. And then, um, of course I used to do way more long distance running than I'm currently doing right now. And so it was kind of a glory days conversation wherein, um, we talked about, you know, like getting older and, um, how uh, like once that, once you let that slip that that energy and that drive to, you know, to do hard things, if you let that slip for, um, just a little bit, like you will lose it and it's tough to, to get it back. And like, you know, we both hit snooze on our alarm clocks now where we used to, you know, get up and, um, run a hundred miles or get up and, and do a triathlon. Uh, but anyways, uh, that was awesome to at least have somebody to talk to in the dark while we waited, um, to get through security. I ended up sleeping in OGG in the uh, Maui airport that night. Um, thanks to Southwest staff for sticking around at the gate to keep security from booting all of us passengers out of the airport. Um, and also, thanks Southwest for the uh, travel voucher that I'll have to use later um, to visit. Maybe I'll visit um, Kauai or something. But um, yeah, so the deal is with uh, with OGG with the Maui Airport. It may be the same for other islands too. I'm not sure, but like if you if you have um, a layover or if your flight gets canceled, you can. This is all according to the internet, so, I, you know, um, do some research, I guess. Uh, But from what I could gather, once the last flight goes out of the airport, security makes rounds and starts kicking everyone out of the gate areas down into or out of the airport, like outside of security. And so like, there's a lot of, um, stories about people that have had to sleep in the benches or on the benches, um, in the baggage claim area. And the weather was horrible that night. So, um, I was very thankful. Although I was, um, on tenter hooks the whole night, I didn't get much sleep at all because security did keep coming into the, the gator. And I was so afraid that we were going to (laughs) get, all of us kicked out, um, to the baggage claim area, but we didn't. So thanks Southwest for sticking around. And, um, yeah, the hat, that was no good. Like I, my heart goes out to everybody that, um, has had delays over the, the holidays. Um, I got a small taste of that. Not even, not even as, you know, near as bad, um, as all the cancellations over the holidays, but, uh, yeah. Um, I learned something cool. Willie Nelson has a place on Maui. I did not know that. I'm um, I would say like big fan, like I'm not a fanatic about Willie Nelson. I'm not fanatic about Willie Nelson, but I like Willie Nelson a lot. Um, I listen to him on long runs, and I've got a book I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that uh, that I like to read is uh, "Letters to America" by Willie Nelson. Yeah, so he's got a place on Maui; it's pretty cool. All right, so yeah, enough about Maui. Thanks again, um, Noel, and your whole family for being so cool to let me have a place to stay and chauffeuring me around um weekly running club it's been nice running with the group one day per week for the last few months so shout out to alex ariel sean justin todd carmelita rebecca david and anyone that i may have missed um running with a group i found pushes me to do different and more difficult routes um, go faster and laugh a lot harder than I would if I was running by myself. Um, I've especially enjoyed talking the office, Britcoms, and other funny shows with Sean. Um, he hangs out with me in the very back of the pack um, out of sympathy, maybe, maybe like half sympathy and then the other half um, just laziness. I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't want to, you know, go there, but yeah. Anyways, I'm just kidding, Sean. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. A lot of times my distance is increased too when I run with the group because I like to park inside the park, um, and run about three miles to meet up with the rest of the group who usually parks outside of the park. Um, this gives me some time to go at my own pace and shake everything out. Before I join the group and then start running like way faster <laughs> because they're all faster than me. Um, plus, this adds some more time on my feet and distance that I desperately need right now. Um, also, getting some practice with remembering my headlamp or using my Garmin's navigation features to route back to my truck in the dark. I had to do this um, last Tuesday because us um, what. Normally it would have been like a five or six mile run turned into like 11 mile run. And, um, I was, I had about 20 minutes to do a 30 minute run back to my truck. So part of that was in the dark. And I just, um, I used my Garmin's route back feature just to, you know, I still couldn't see, but at least I would know like, Oh, there's a turn coming up. Here, or um, the most important thing is like, you know, I'm only point whatever eight zero miles from my truck or whatever, so that can be comforting when you're um, running or walking in the dark. Uh, yeah, so thanks everybody from the weekly running club, and um, yeah, hope to do a lot of runs with you guys in 2022. Uh, moving on. 2021 uh as it happens this time of year or actually more last month end of last month Strava started sending out the year interview reels uh highlighting users achievements in 2021 mine was just a barrage of low lights as it's been uh let's say a lazy one so for uh 2021 uh, my total distance was 794.1 miles, uh, just for some context. The year prior, um, total distance was 1,318.2 miles. And even 2020 was sort of a lackluster year. Um, but we're talking about like I did about half the miles that I, I had done the previous year in 2021. Um one thing that did sort of stand out though, my elevation gain for 2021 was 87,070 feet where it had been 75,545 feet in 2020. So I think in 2020, I was, uh, why, I don't know why I said it that I think in 2020, uh, I was running a lot on beach road, which has, No elevation, basically, no, no um, uphill or downhill for the most part. Um, So that's probably why that's a a lot less or a little bit less or whatever. Yeah. So overall distance, uh, 7,249.5 miles over 1,074 runs. And that, I think, is for like the last six or seven years, something like that. So I'm still averaging about 1000 your 1000 miles per year but um like I said before I want to definitely bring that number up. I'm shooting for 2000 miles in 2022 and um yeah, we'll see how that goes. All right. Onward to life after Pfizer. So for this one, I know this is a tough this is a touch, ugh, this is a touchy Subject. So let me just preface this with, um, I've had many vaccines in my life through school, military service, and working in medical settings. So I'm not pushing a pro or anti-COVID-19 vaccine agenda here. Um, I do have one strong opinion. Uh, and that is that no viewpoints should be suppressed and all should have an opportunity to withstand or wither in the forum of civil public discourse. Uh, frankly, I think anyone who maintains an unmovable opinion about the vaccine at this point is doing a disservice to everyone, including themselves. And to be honest, I really hope that therapeutics will become the mainstream effective treatment because who really wants a bunch of booster shots or a lifelong relationship with drug companies? I digress. It took me forever uh, to get vaccinated because of past adverse reactions to a hep booster that I had um, that resulted in deafness in one ear and facial numbness for a day or so. Uh, That was pretty scary. I did end up getting my first and second COVID-19 jabs in November. Um, I can't recall any acute response, like a headache or nausea or anything like that, um, other than fatigue and sporadic head and neck aches that weren't, like, at the time. They weren't really acute, but over time, like, I would have these sporadic or I have had sporadic head and neck aches and little bouts of fatigue. So I have developed a tightness and clicking in my right knee about a week after the first jab. Um, Being an unlucky 80s kid, I got chickenpox before the vaccine existed for chickenpox. This made me susceptible to shingles which uh, came on in the gnarliest way um, a few years ago, which was not super. And then in the past two weeks, um, so this is like about a a little over a month since I got my second Pfizer dose, um, I've experienced a very mild recurrence of that, which has been more visually startling than uh, uncomfortable for me. There's sort of a spiky feeling that anyone who's had nerve pain um, or neuralgia knows about. The biggest thing that I've experienced uh, is fatigue. I don't know if this is related to the vaccine, but um, I found a couple of items interesting. The first one, um, again, I'm not trying to, to push any agenda, but I'll I'll give a couple, I'll give the official CDC take and then um, a couple of other things that I, uh, that I picked up. Uh, okay, so the JRE podcast with um, Dr. Robert Malone, MD, who is the doctor that patented mRNA therapy. You can find that on Spotify. And I may just uh, post these links to um, a run and um I'll have to do that after. I record this, which will be fine because you probably won't hear this until after I make those edits anyway. So, eh. anyways, uh, Dr. Malone also has his own website and you can find that at um, rwmalonemd.com. And also Jerry podcast with Dr. Peter A. McCullough. You can find that on Spotify. Um, and then conversely, uh, some alternate information. Uh, these are coming from PubMed articles on arthritis and shingles post-mRNA therapy. Uh, if you go to PubMed.ncbi.nlm.nih. That's n i h sorry gov, and then um, the first you'll uh, do a slash and then three four zero three three seven three two, and then the second one all the other stuff is the same pubmedncbinlmnihgovernor n c b i dot gov three four two 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 one three four and so basically the um, the podcasts will all say that there's a possibility that the arthritis and the recurrence of the um shingles symptoms uh could be caused by the the vaccine, and then the pubMed articles basically say you know it's not certain that either of these could be caused by that, so um you figure out what you want to believe, but I know for uh for me personally. I did start noticing these symptoms after I got my second um, dose of the vaccine. All right, but enough on that. Um, Last Sunday, this may be one of those those times, but freaking A, my head hurt like so bad. I woke up and my head and neck were killing me. And I'm not sure if I slept wrong or what. Um, Sometimes I fall asleep watching your mom's house podcast uh i like to watch it on youtube versus just listening to it on spotify or whatever um especially when they do the tiktok rundowns so um but anyway sometimes i fall asleep with like more you know too many pillows under my head and uh, i'll wake up with like a crick in my neck but that day i woke up with my head just killing me uh i tried stretching drinking caffeine in the form of uh, coffee going for a run which sort of turned into a long hike um, because it hurt to to actually run I felt like I was bouncing my brain around um I thought that would cure it for sure but it didn't help at all I felt so sleepy uh, after I did that hike um I tried a hot bath with uh, some Japanese bath salts, pressure points, hydrating, and finally I gave in, just took 200 milligrams of Advil and uh, turned in early, which worked. I woke up the next day with no headache, so that was awesome. Um, according to Wikihow, www.wikihow.com slash Get rid of a headache. These are twenty-one ways to get rid of a headache. I'm not going to go through like the whole, the whole thing. A lot of um, or I won't go through a whole descriptive um paragraph for each one. You can kind of do your own research. A lot of these are sort of no no no-brainers. No pun intended. But uh, yeah, so twenty-one ways to get rid of a headache. The first is caffeine. Uh, cold pack, warm bath, dim lighting, meds, meditation slash yoga, acupressure, lavender oil placed on the upper lip, uh, weekly massage, chiropractor, osteopathic manipulative treatment, acupuncture. I said acupressure before, but this also this acupuncture, um, hydration no alcohol, breathing exercises, sleep more, avoid trigger foods. Example would be chocolate. And there's a bunch of other ones you can, you can read on that wiki out page. And then finally exercise. Those are the methods that they gave. And then number 21 was like, a I I think it was like, know the, know what, what different pains in different parts of your head mean, basically. Um, yeah. So there you go. I hope that you don't ever wake up with a headache that you have all day. But if you do, you now you've got 21 things that, or at least 20 that you might try out. Um, all right. So switching gears, um, I read a website, I guess. Um, this is actually, uh, I think it's a, a, theos- a thesis. It's a collaborative work um, from Harvard. Uh, The page is titled Biomechanics of Foot Strikes in Applications to Running Barefoot or in Minimal Footwear, and this is a collaboration by Daniel E. Lieberman, um, Madhusudan Venkadesan, I probably said that wrong, sorry, Adam Dowd, William Werbel, um, and that's out of Harvard again. The website uh, is not on a secure page. I think this is a, a fairly older study, maybe from like around 2010ish, maybe. Um, but if you want to visit, just you know be be aware that it's uh, HTTP and not HTTPS. Uh, so it's uh, barefoot running all one word, uh, dot Harvard edu. Uh, and this one, um, I was sort of distracted while I was reading through it. Uh, I was watching, well, I was watching a lot of things cause it took several days for me to like even get through this probably cause I was distracted doing other things. But one of the things that I was uh, looking at at a certain point Was um, videos of kid drummers and it's amazing. Um, I saw one where Dave Grohl sent a message to this uh, Japanese kid. I think their name was Yoyoka uh, before she played on the Ellen show. Um, I think she played the Pretender, and as far as like just technical. Uh, um, was just perfect. Like the drum, the drumming was perfect. Um, and then for, for her age that made it even more amazing. Um, this other video I watched was like a, a 10 year old kid who absolutely slammed on, um, it was playing with a ACDC cover band and was just rocking out on the drums. And so it's, uh, it's amazing what people can do. Um, But yeah, so I was thinking that and sort of like switching back and forth, uh, to reading the study, uh, but yeah, sorry, I'm fooling around in GarageBand for a minute. I'm trying to see where I'm at as far as the, uh, recording, my bad. So at any rate, uh, this, this work, this collaborative work, uh, was looking at um, human evolution and endurance running. Um, it provided information on, or it provides information on, the foot and lower limb biomechanics when running in shoes, and then when running in, when running barefoot or in minimal shoes. Um, it discusses biomechanical differences between forefoot striking and heel striking. And then gives tools to help assess potential benefits of learning to four-foot strike, and then how to transition safely to four-foot striking, barefoot or in minimal footwear. So a couple of of uh, main points I think from this: uh, most experienced, habitually barefoot runners tend to avoid landing. On the heel, and instead land with a forefoot or a midfoot strike. Um, expo- this also explored the collisional mechanics of different kinds of foot strikes. And so, I—you can probably tell—I'm reading this. Uh, you know, this is coming from Harvard. I. Um, this is on a whole nother level. So I had to make notes to, to read off of, but I am giving you kind of like the cliff notes rundown. I highly recommend um, that you read this because it's very interesting and you will go down, um, some different rabbit holes, just looking at, uh, some of our, some of our ancestors, some of the predecessors to Homo sapiens. So like Australopithecus, um, and Homo erectus, and others that I can't think of, because I did not go to Harvard. Uh, But but at any rate, um, I did go down a lot of rabbit holes myself, and looking at the renderings of early humans, it was wild, like staring into our past and looking at the similarities between modern humans, uh, gibbons, gorillas chimps and orangutans primarily looking at the skeletal structures and comparing them um and thinking about what in the world snapped to make us as humans endurance runners musicians um you know kid drummers (laughs) and all the other things that humans do that no other species or primate does um kind of germane to, to that thought. Um, I recently watched the, or yesterday I watched the Alpinist. I highly recommend it on Netflix. It's about a uh, free climber, Marc-Andre Leclerc and his unreal and potentially deadly outings, which really dampen my enthusiasm for the follow-up show that I watch, um, called We Are the champions also on netflix episode one of that dealt with um or was about pro yo-yoers uh so the stakes weren't quite as high and i wasn't quite as interested in that show but still i can't do the yo-yoing that they could do and uh, it's amazing how humans have so many niche uh, specialties and things that we can do But as far as running goes, no primates other than humans are capable of endurance running. Um, This work, this collaborative work was, or I won't say it was full, but it had some funky kinematics diagrams where the little man is either running or or walking. And it shows, you know, where um, all the joints are articulating at different points within the the stride and i think they had some for yeah they had some for walking and they had some for for running side by side and you can see like and it actually goes into great detail the um, walking uh motion is more of a pendulum where the legs kind of swing off the the hip um, and running is more of a spring motion where you've got explosive, um, action, your, your muscles are sort of like launching you, um, springing you with each stride, um, in contrast to apes. And again, like I'm reading all of this. I don't know all this in my brain. I had to write this down uh, and, and read it to make it, uh, more, palatable and less strenuous to listen to for, for all of you. But, um, and also to help me like wrap my head around it, but, but yeah, so in contrast to apes, human legs have many, um, long spring-like tendons, and these are connected to short muscle fascicles that can generate force economically. Um, Fun fact: The Achilles tendon was absent in Australopithecus and originated at some point after three million years ago, probably in the genus Homo, which is we're we're part of that genus. Um, one of these notes I I've got noted: longitudinal arch of the human foot. Oh, yes. We have a longitudinal arch uh, in our foot, and this provides support but also provides a uh, spring action. So, that's um, something to know. The human cost of transport is essentially flat at endurance running speeds. And so, what um, the reason I noted this and highlighted it was from what I could gather from how I interpreted it, it looked like. At a certain point, endurance running, actually, there's diminishing returns on walking where you should probably run because your your body's going to be more efficient. It's going to use less resources than if you would try to walk that same amount of time or that same distance. That's how I understood it. But you do some reading yourself and, and figure out if that's what it means to you. Um, humans increase our speed during endurance running mostly by increasing our stride. I did not know this. Um, the stride length rather than the rate. So the way that I usually run endurance races or endurance running is I do take more steps, so I am running slowly, (laughs) but I'm doing more steps, so I've been doing it wrong all this time. So I'm going to try to work on increasing my stride length. Um, I'll do what I can. I'm only 5'9", so it's not going to increase that much, but um, I'll see what I can do. Uh, Relatively long contact times may be advantageous for endurance running because the inverse of contact time has been found to correlate across species with the energetic cost of running. So running is priced by the step. So that one, I, you know, I'm trying to work this out in my head, but So contact time, I'm imagining that's the time that your foot is on the ground has been found to correlate across species with the energetic cost of running. Oh, okay, so it's saying the opposite. So the more time your foot is on the ground, you're, you're using up more energy, it's costing you more because running is priced by the step. Okay, yeah, so don't keep your foot on the ground as long, I guess, like take faster step. I mean, it makes sense. Take faster steps, do longer strides, right? Um, that, that's kind of the formula for, for going faster. Um, oscillating long legs increases the energy cost of running in proportion to the limbs mass moment of inertia. I believe what this is saying is the, the heavier the limb, right? So the more your legs weigh, the higher the energy cost of propelling those legs forward or making those legs move. Um, at least that's how I understand it. Humans have more compact feet and relatively short toes only 9% of total leg mass compared to 14% in chimpanzees. Um, Reductions in distal limb mass have little effect on the energetics of walking right, but produce substantial metabolic savings during um, endurance running which is what I was saying before. So It doesn't really make much difference for walking if you've got big old heavy legs, but If you got big old heavy legs and you're trying to run, then you're going to, it's going to cost you more, um, more metabolic uh, energy use. Human runners reduce running stresses to some extent through limb compliance and midfoot striking, thereby also storing elastic strain energy in the leg and foot, but must otherwise dissipate impact forces within their bones and joints. So that's important because it's saying that whatever you're doing in your foot, you know, that's going to probably radiate on upwards in your leg. And so um, what they found was that with a forefoot, midfoot strike, it looks like less of those shock forces extend up into the um, the upper leg so like the the knee joint um, and your leg bones whereas if you're striking with the heel you get um, i guess i don't want to say like the full force of of all that shock but um, a significant force of all of the shock radiates up your leg. So in other words, like striking with your forefoot and midfoot is where it's at. Um, yeah, let me get back on track here. So humans pitch forward and rotate independently in the trunk uh, to compensate for instability of their bipedal gait. Chimps cannot do this because of their compressed spine long pelvis and compressed shoulder girdle. So if you look at the, the skeleton of a chimpanzee, it's very like compact and they're built um, for climbing. So there is there was something that I didn't quite really grasp onto, but I think like the the they're trying to convey like humans were kind of spread out. More So we've got like these long bodies and our heads are not as tightly or as significantly attached to, um, the lower parts of our trunk. Whereas like, if you look at a chimp, there's significant attachment between the the head and the lower part of the trunk. And so like being able to, um, have your arms swing and then your, uh, your hips are swiveling, at a, you know, in, in a different direction. That's part of the way that we as humans are able to um, keep our balance when we're running bipedally. Um, if we couldn't do that, then of course we wouldn't be able to, to keep our balance. The gluteus maximus, which is your butt, your booty butt, is strongly recruited in running at all speeds but not in walking on level surfaces so your gluteus maximus is important for running at all speeds slow or fast uh, a big thing a big advantage that humans have uh, with running or any kind of endurance activity is uh regulation and respiration humans have less hair we are able to sweat and get that convection going um, this one is in quotations elaborated cranial venous circulation um, mouth breathing not panting um, before i get to the next one i just want to explain that um, when they're talking about the elaborated cranial venous circulation so they they broke it down and and basically said like because of the the um, i guess like the amount of blood vessels that we have in our head um we're able to sort of use our head as a cooling point so that that blood goes to our head and then gets cooled off and then that in turn gets passed around and cools off uh or insides, basically. <laughs> so that's what they're talking about with the um, elaborated cranial venous circulation, um, or at least I think that's what they're talking about. Uh, and so the next one, this was sort of my favorite sentence in the whole, the whole work. Human distance runners are thus obligate mouth breathers. Um, this permits higher airflow rates with less resistance and muscular effort. Okay. And so we're I think we're almost done with this big long list. Sorry. These are just sort of like the high points, the the cliff notes if you will. So endurance running probably originated with the homogeneous but there's no feet, like they haven't found f- foot bones and only a few cranial remains to to prove this or to try to support this. Um, The hypothesis is that early hunters used running to get close enough to throw stones because they lacked bows and spears and other weapons. They may have run some animals to exhaustion um, because other animals lack the ability to to sweat and to thermoregulate. So... You know, like in 15 minutes, you can run down a uh, kudu and um, have it for dinner. So that might have been what what the reason why humans started running. Uh, it could have also been a means of spotting um, carcasses at a difference, uh, at a difference, at a distance, uh, and being able to run to those to scavenge uh, bone marrow, brain. Or other tissue before other scavengers got to it. So it notes in the uh, the article or the the, the work that hyenas um, and wild dogs do this currently by smelling or seeing vultures circling over something, and then they they mobilize and run to that. Um, Carcass, I guess. So, um, sorry about that big long list, but those were sort of the more interesting points that I found. Uh, no studies have shown heel striking causes more injury. Uh, around 30 to 75% of runners get repetitive stress injuries each year, um, which may be due to heel striking, but not necessarily. It's not proven as of the time of this um, this work was published. Modern running shoes were invented in the 1970s, presumably barefoot sandals or moccasins or running flats were worn um, before that. Um, I guess you wouldn't really wear barefoot, but, but, but you get what I'm saying. Um, the conclusion or hypothesis was that until recently most humans had much more varied gaits. Sometimes they landed on their heel, but more often they were midfoot or forefoot striking. Um, They suspect that forefoot striking was most common. Uh, Also they hypothesize and there's anecdotal evidence that forefoot or midfoot striking can help avoid and or mitigate repetitive stress injuries, especially stress fractures, plantar fasciitis, and runner's knee. Um, They do emphasize that this is a hypothesis. It's yet to be tested, and there have been no direct studies as of the time of this uh, being published uh, on the efficacy of forefoot strike running or barefoot running on injury. Uh, So the the site itself has some cool side-by-side videos of shod or um, with shoes on uh, versus barefoot strikes with force times body weight waves. And so you can see sort of like the force that's exerted um, with each stride. There's also side-by-side images, uh, descriptions of heel strike and forefoot strike. Um, I actually, today, I was inspired by... By this, I decided to try out barefoot running uh, at Volcano on a trail that I, I frequent there, um, which is partial uh, sort of soft soft ground that goes through an um, ohia forest and then um, part of it goes over a, a old lava field. I gotta say, I... You know, going up to Volcano today, I was so excited. I was giddy as if, uh, you know, I was trying out a new pair of uh, shoes for the first time. Like, I was so excited uh, to get up there. And, and I had, you know, preconceptions of how this was all going to play out. I, you know, of course, kept my shoes on until I got out of um, eye line of any spectators. And once i was out on the trail i went ahead and took my shoes and socks off and then tried to (laughs) run for a little bit i i ended up not running at all Uh, it was so painful on my uncalloused feet that uh i could barely walk like my i slowed down so significantly um the you know after a couple steps i just i put my shoes and socks back on and then Once I got into the forest area, I thought about trying again. So I took my shoes and socks off again. And I was walking on the, you know, sort of the softer dirt um, part of that trail. And then I remembered that all up that trail, there's, or all over the park actually, there are um, yellow jackets that sort of like hover you know, they do yellow jacket things, but they're always underfoot. And so I didn't really feel like getting stung by a yellow jacket and then having to, to deal with that. Um, so I put my shoes and socks on and then I just completed the rest of my (laughs) my activity with the shoes and socks on. But what I'm going to do, um, I'm going to try to maybe build some calluses up on my foot. I'm not i mean i don't know what what this what will happen here but I, I don't i'm not trying i'm not setting out trying to to run barefoot all the time um but i am kind of curious like is it better is it more fun does it um does it help build up you know calf muscles or or, or you know break down and rebuild some some ligaments and tendons that um otherwise wouldn't get a workout with a heavily padded, you know, max cushion shoe um, that's supporting, you know, my whole foot. So I'm going to try to, (laughs) I know that's never a good sign when somebody says they're going to try to do something, but uh, I'm going to take some steps to see if I can build up uh, the calluses on my foot. And so make it maybe a little bit more of an option. I probably won't run all, I mean, I definitely won't run all the time. Uh, barefoot, I don't think, but um, it'd be nice to, to do it every now and then and, and um, sort of get my feet toughened up. Because um, right now they're baby feet. They're very soft and very sensitive uh, to the ground. It was a little much on me today. But yeah, so uh, I've got this uh, thing I don't know quite how to explain it. If you know what it is, then you'll know what it is. Uh, but it's, I got it at H Mart in Atlanta a long time ago. It was in the section of H Mart where it's not a grocery store. It's just all these different contraptions from uh, Korea. And this thing is supposed to be like an acupressure um, foot. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. like foot massager or foot thing, but all it is, it's just a sort of a plastic rectangle, and it's got all of these points that jut up out of it, Um, and so it's it's kind of like, think of a bed of nails, so it's kind of like that, but it's all made out of uh, this fluorescent yellow Plastic, and if you stand on it barefoot, it hurts a lot. So I usually stand on it with socks. But I think I'm gonna like try to train with that a little bit, and then every now and then I might slip my my socks and shoes off and run over some gravel or try to walk over some gravel and toughen up my feet a little bit. Um, one other thing that that did occur to me, you know, we I live in a subtropical climate, and um, I'm pretty sure there's hookworms and other ground parasites here, so that's always a fear and a consideration when you're when you're going barefoot because I, you know, a lot of those, um, what would you call them, parasites? Uh, they are able to hook on, you know, your barefoot and they travel through your bloodstream up to your lungs or or, or wherever, and um, it's kind of a you know, you get sick, it's, it's sort of nightmarish to, to describe it that way, but that's what happens. But at any rate, um, you know, who am I? What do I know? But, uh, I'm thinking if a person is used to running in shoes, like just stop, stopping the use of shoes could, could be bad. Um, one thing that came to mind, um, I recently was reminded of, you know, like Indian, African, and um, uh, Asian tribes, like uh, the Padong tribe in Myanmar, or the uh, tribes in Africa that wear the rings around their neck. And so my understanding is like the neck doesn't actually elongate, but because the rings are around the neck, it atrophies the muscles in the neck. So, like if those uh, women lean their head back too far, or if they remove the rings, then there's a good chance that they're, you know, they may have injury uh, to their neck. I don't know if they break their neck or, or but I do know that they, they have injuries. Um, because their muscles are atrophy. So the same thing probably happens with your feet, wherein in like you're, you've got all these support structures and modern running shoes, and then you take them away. Um, your musculature's atrophied. Um, it's not tearing down and rebuilding stronger, um, like, you know, your foot and leg structures. And so the point being, you don't just go out running barefoot Um, you might injure yourself Uh, there were lawsuits against the manufacturer of vibram five fingers because their shoes which are very minimalistic um, to sort of provide a barefoot feel they were blamed for injuries that people had in my opinion the injuries were probably due more to neophytes over exerting themselves or failing to taper into zero artificial support and cushioning types of footwear. Um, So yeah, that's just my two cents. But yeah, so a very interesting article. Again, if you wanna, I keep calling it an article. I don't really know what to call it. I guess it's a a thesis because they had a hypothesis, but it's never, I, I haven't seen the research that, you know, goes with this to, like, clean it up and and cap it off. I'm sure it's out there. I just, I was primarily searching for, you know, barefoot running Harvard study and just couldn't find anything more recent for this. But, you know, I'll look again. Maybe that'll be a future podcast. But, yeah, so it was very interesting. But, yeah, to read what is there, which is all very great material, it's a uh, barefoot running all one word .fas.harvard.edu. edu and uh, so yeah so I think that I probably didn't articulate any of that as well as I would have liked to but it's done so let's move on uh, the next thing that I want to talk about is the ultra Mont Blanc so I've been, or I guess it's Mont Blanc. Uh, I've been a fan of Altra since trying them around four or five years ago. Uh, materials and construction and durability have been an issue with some models. I've run a lot of miles on shoes with giant rips and tears in the upper. I've had some, um, I'm talking to you, original attempts that split apart front you know the sole and the upper split apart very early on like I barely got to use those shoes uh to be fair though uh even at fighting weight I'm about 190 to 200 pounds and I run on a lot of rugged basalt um so a lot of rugged terrain that rips shoes up uh, I've been running in two pairs of the Olympus 4.0 for the last year. These have been very durable. Uh, they're holding up very well. Um, I've used to use the King MT for daily runs and earlier models of the Olympus or Torin for longer runs. The reason I like the King MT and Olympus is that generally anything with Vibram Vibram soles is superior to its non-Vibram counterpart. So, Ultra's proprietary Mac proprietary, sorry, Max Track soles, they don't do it for me. I slip inside all over the place in wet conditions. Um, I just prefer to pay a little more for the Vibram soles. King MTs have also been discontinued and they're no longer available in my size, which is a 10.5 from third-party retailers. Uh, Maybe I can find these on the dark web somewhere, but not on the regular web or the Amazons. Uh, Olympus is good and uh, has Vibram soles, but they're a little heavy and clunky for day-to-day use. Sometimes I like to go faster and feel the ground as I run. Um, Of course, even the most cushioned of shoes Their foam compresses through use and becomes dead weight, which is kind of where I'm at with the Olympus. They don't feel totally bad. They feel a lot better than running or trying to run and actually walking a couple steps barefoot felt today. So I'm not going to complain too much. but, But yeah, at a certain point, that foam, you know, just becomes dense. It just gets compressed and is no longer good to anybody. Um, so with all that said, I was excited to see a new shoe for 2022, the Ultra Mont Blanc. I posted a video up at a running uh, slash soapbox. My understanding is that this shoe is designed to run distances of a hundred miles in, and I believe it. The sole looks max cushioned out and the upper looks lightweight, uh, also new for 2022, uh, the Superior, meh. The Lone Peak, which looks like version six, is already up on their site. That's another meh for me. Uh, I just don't. I just don't like those proprietary um, rubber soles. I prefer Vibram. Um, yeah. So I posted that video, and you can find reviews for for the Mont Blanc all over the the internet or in a search engine. I don't know if there's like that many uh, reviews, but there's there's enough. Uh, the Mont Blanc, they're gonna have two versions. One of them has just regular laces, and then the other one has a BOA, or maybe it's called BOA lacing system. And so you can learn more about that lacing system at um, BOA Fit, that's B oafit.com. Um, to my knowledge, the regular lace version will be released um, around March, and then the BOA model be released like later in the year. But I don't know that for sure. In my humble opinion, I can totally see the BOA systems laces and dials popping. Or breaking. Uh, I did look at their site and uh, BOA offers spare parts kits for field repairs and also has a replacement guarantee on the dials and the laces, but they don't do anything for like the stitching part of the shoe, which could also break. Uh, and then you just wouldn't be able to lace your shoes up. So I don't know for me, it's seeming like, you know, the lace model may be, um, Maybe better for me just because I'm more for the durability than having the the fancy uh, lace system. But I'll probably end up getting both the laces and the BOA models and then just, you know, update you all on any catastrophic events. But yeah, so just to recap on the Ultra Mont Blanc, the upper, it's a thin ripstop nylon mesh. The outsole is a Vibram Mega Grip Light Base. I don't know what that Mega Grip Light Base is. I just see Vibram and I'm, I'm, it's good to go for me. The uh, midsole is Ego Max material, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the King MTs also have that same Ego Max material. The weight on the model with laces is 9.9 ounces for the male model and then 6.9 ounces for the female model. Um, On the model that has the BOA um, lacing system, the weight is 11.2 ounces for the male and then 9.3 ounces for the female, so significantly heavier with that lacing system. The price for the regular lace model, $180. For the BOA model, $210. And that's all I know. Hey, if you want to donate to my pair or just support the podcast, go to arunandthought.com and click on Donate. That'll take you to a Square Payments page where you can make a payment securely. But by no means do you have to or need to, just if you want to. You can just throwing it out there. Um, next up, good luck, Alex. My friend Alex is running the Hurt 100 on January fifteenth, 2022. Uh, tough, tough event. And I'll just say this, good luck to everyone who's running the Hurt 100 on January 15, 2022, because it is a tough, tough event. Just a little snapshot. It's 100 miles over five laps, partial out and backs in a semi tropical rainforest. It sounds delightful. I can assure you it is not when you're doing 100 mile loops uh, or you're doing 100 miles over five loops. Uh, 24,500 feet of cumulative elevation gain and 24,500 feet of Cumulative loss over the course of 100 miles. It's 99% single track trails and then 1% asphalt. The 99% from what I've seen is all roots and mud. Uh, Moderately packed soil, generously interspersed with roots, rocks, puddles, and mud wallows. And I do mean wallows. Narrow trails through forest, along exposed ridges and past vertical embankments. 20 stream crossings, yay, four for each lap, three aid stations per lap, and a 36 hour time limit. So it sounds like a good time, and that description was taken directly from the one that they posted on Ultra Sign Up for the Hurt 100 2022. You can see the um, the Book of Hurt, sorry, I lost my place, so you can see the book of hurt, and you can uh, you may still be able to register for that race, um, at ultrasignup.com. Sending good vibes to Alex and everyone else. Hopefully, um, we'll be able to get Alex on the podcast for a post-race recap. Um, again, to check out the book of hurt or to volunteer, you can do that at hurt. 100.com that's H U R 100com Um, and I'm thinking that the next podcast needs a what and how to pack for a hundred miler rundown. And so maybe a runner collective of ideas, maybe Alex can come on and, um, we can dish about that. Maybe I can get, um, our other buddy, Justin on too, cause he's got way more experience. I think with those long events than me for sure. I've only ever done I've only ever completed one. I attempted to. My first one was I've got a lot of what not to bring for the uh the first attempt that I can share. Um yeah, please visit the shop at a running thought or sorry, at com. We've got um LBC DBC gear. I'm working on adding back the trucker hat and beanie uh, i've had some issues with the logo and meeting the template requirements for embroidery they changed the the way that their 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 template is and so i had one that was working for a long time but then i'm trying to to make it meet their new standards i'm just having trouble at any rate i try to keep the prices barely above cost um so check it out again shop a run thought.com. Um, and I think that's it for this episode until next time I will leave you with a, an amp chant from one of the greatest films of our time Hot Rod um, and you, if you're familiar then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and if you're not then um, you'll think I'm insane so uh, with that Ancestors protect me, may they protect you. God of war, may your hammer be mighty. Take care.